Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Mason Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. A podcast with more takes than a David Fincher production. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of MazeandBrew.com. Andy, you unassailable fiend from the north. How are things? Things are well, my friend. Still... Ooh, still tangling from the victory on Sunday afternoon. How are you? Uh, yeah, man, that was enjoyable. I think we were both in a uh, state of paralysis from last night's shenanigans or the prior night's shenanigans. So being hungover and being able to just curl up on a couch on a cold day and watch Michigan not dominate, but just thoroughly get a, a sound victory over a good team. That was an excellent way to spend a Sunday morning. In the most watched college basketball game of the season on any network, of course, it was Michigan, Ohio State. And yeah, man, the first half was just excellent, of course. Offensive execution, high scoring, well played on both sides. A referee even stopped Shonda Brown and said, man, this is a good game. It's like, you know what? It really is. (laughs) It was so fun to watch. And high level basketball, like you said, not overly surprised that that was the uh, number one rated college game thus far. I mean, Michigan, Ohio State, still still a draw, still a rivalry. It's just shifted, as we can see. And now it uh, it happens on the hardwood. And I'm fine with that because we're well represented there. So um, this this maybe once again, after last week saying that I thought it was the best victory of the Juwan Howard era, maybe he follows it up with his next best victory. Yeah. A hundred percent. And this is the best victory of any team this season in college basketball. No other team has a win this high quality. And especially considering it was on the road. On the road shortly after a three week shutdown. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't argue that. So yeah, the best win of the Juwan Howard era over a rival on the road um, in a game where they had two dudes that were lights out Liddell and Washington in this game were like, I mean, even towards the end when it looked like we should have pulled away, Washington is burying threes to keep this thing uncomfortable until the the very end. And you mentioned in the first half where it was just high level offense, 10 of 13 shooting for Michigan from three in the first half. Ohio State was way more steady throughout the game, actually outshot us um, and percentage in both free throw and three point percentage in this one. Um, but yeah, in the second half, uh, Washington and Liddell really took over and I was impressed by both of them. But Michigan just well, well rounded and and really turned it up on defense in the second half. The defense is what won it for them, especially with some that Ohio State costly turnover the behind the back pass that Livers was just eyeballing and took it to the hoop for the and one. Franz Wagner found a way to get involved and change the game defensively because offensively he was struggling, although he did play make quite a bit. And Hunter Dickinson in the post is still a problem. Anytime he or Davis were around, it would cause Liddell to shift and move and really have to work for a bucket. That Liddell cat, I mean, he could really bang down low. Very P.J. Tucker-like energy in the sense that he, yeah. he plays a lot bigger than his size. So he was down there banging and doing doing work. But, I mean, having a guy that's 7'2", and as advanced as he is, he's a great rebounder. He understands the angles and stuff. Um, it's tough for teams that can't match his size on the inside. I mean, especially late in games when he's still – I mean, he's young. So, I mean, his motor's still going late in these games. And once again, down the stretch, he was absolutely huge. Uh, I want to talk about Wagner a little bit because, uh, yeah, he did struggle shooting the ball. And you really need him and Livers to hit those three free throws down down the stretch, especially from your leaders. But the way Wagner impacts winning if he's not scoring really stands out. I mean, if he, he understands that his shot's not falling and he passed up several threes in the second because he's like, I, my shot's just not falling. I'm going to find something else. Penetrates gets in he's shifty at six nine and he's finding guys and making winning plays so still very impressed by him even on what you might say was an off night off day yeah 100 percent. he had six rebounds and four assists 
four of them, I mean, I'm sure most of those went to Hunter Dickinson. He had some really thread the needle inside passes that he would just feed off to Dickinson. And again, to your point, he would penetrate, find the open guy and make a play. And I think that's very mature of a player to understand like, okay, my scoring's not there. I don't need to force this shot. I can help my team win a different way. And that really set him apart in this game. And again, his defensive versatility just continues to pay dividends. He can guard all five positions. Pretty much, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Moving down, Shonday Brown was huge in this game. Uh, My favorite sequence of the game was the uh, back-to-back offensive rebounds. Shonday Brown puts it up, and it was against their bigs, too. Dickinson was down there. He was just down there banging at 6'4", 6'5", just a grown man, and uh, back-to-back offensive rebounds, gets the putback late in the game. That was huge. He was great. Uh, We need to do a Mike Smith appreciation moment, though, because we haven't really talked about him on this podcast. No, we touched on him early in the year about coming over as this high-volume scorer from a mid-major, but his appreciation is much more deserving than like the stat lines he's putting up at Michigan now. Dude, he flies down the court there was a possession (laughs) where he got the rebound and he was up the court and I was like there's no way he's that fast like it didn't look natural I thought he was just gonna go careening through the other end of the court like down into the locker room or something because yeah it was like Ty Lawson speed or like peak Westbrook speed and he's under control so he hasn't been that high volume score but we don't need that but you still have that if need be he can hit you hit some step back threes he had a really nice one in this game that you and I were both uh, complimenting during the game. Um, but yeah, his speed and his command of the offense and his maturity is huge for this team. The fluidity and control is what stands out to me. Like he's always in control of the moment. He's ne- it's never too big for him. He's never trying to just force a play. He knows what to do with the ball and he's just butter smooth all the time. And you and I were talking off air about uh, Xavier Simpson, other known as otherwise known as Jeff Jackson, mm-hmm. that, this is a huge upgrade for Michigan. Like on defense, he can get picked on a little bit, but how much he brings to the table offensively cannot be understated. Yeah. And I think he's an upgrade over Derek Walton too, in some ways. Like, and I loved both of those guys. I thought that they were great college point guards, but I think what Mike Smith, his ceiling's a little higher. Cause we still haven't seen him go off for 25 points, but he has that in his bag. Oh yeah. It's sitting there lurking the whole time, which is nice to keep in the back pocket. If, Walton's shot wasn't falling. He's just going to keep shooting and keep shooting. But Mike Smith finds other ways to get players involved and spread the ball around. I believe, how many, did he have seven assists, I think? Yeah, seven assists in this game to go with 11 points. Yeah, he was outstanding. He was great, and he's been great all season. Um, We were having a conversation off air, and I believe Michigan's plan A this year was to have Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd on this team, and then maybe you don't have Sean Day Brown and Mike Smith in that situation. Um, maybe you have Mike Smith, but not Sean Day Brown. So I have to think that this plan B as constructed is way better. I mean, granted recency bias, and this is what we're watching, but I would rather have this version going into a tournament with these older guys, Smith and Brown on the team. A hundred percent. And especially in a pandemic affected season where you're going to have three week lapses, you need the team to come together and rally through hardships. Like, you you made a good point of how Christopher and Todd would be great for a you know a regular season team like it's a lot of talent on the court but Brown and Smith bring these intangibles this leadership and savvy that can help you get through rough stretches and rough stretches in games without these guys and their leadership you don't come back against Wisconsin you're probably not going to make the deep run you're going to make in the Big Ten and NCAA tournament Brown especially his leadership can't be understated he brings so much and it also takes the burden off of players like Livers who can lead but doesn't have to do it by himself. They're just great chemistry guys, and it also helps that they turn out to be really good at basketball. Yeah, that always helps when you have guys that can yeah. play basketball on your team. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a point down the stretch here where you're going to get into a grinded-out game. I remember that Houston game where it took Jordan Poole hitting that three. That was like a 63-60 to 60 game. Uh, there's going to be a yeah. game when your shots aren't falling, you're grinding it out, and I would rather have that point guard that's been there and doesn't panic and says, hey, we still need to get a quality look here. And kind of to your point there, he allows Livers and Wagner to work off ball. You know, with him being, he can be ball dominant, but you've got guys in Livers and Wagner and Brown also that you feel comfortable with facilitating. So that's a lot of guys that can really get their own shot and create for teammates. It makes for a really, I can't imagine trying to cover that team. And then you got Dickinson, who's playing out of his mind at 7-2. Um, oh, can't wait for the Garza matchup. It's it's coming tomorrow night. I mean, this 
this team is the best Michigan team up against that Trey Burke team. I would love to see them play. Like the other teams, like even the 18 team, the pool and Mo Wagner team was awesome. But this team is so complete. And Ohio State played their best game arguably all season. Their shooting splits were outrageous in this game. You and I were talking like, how did they not win? Yeah. They shot 53% from the field, 50% from three, and 92% from the free throw line. Right, and like, they shot 79 from the free throw yeah. line. Like, that's not great. And we went one for 10 in the second half from three. Yeah. Yeah, so like they played their best game, and Michigan still found a way to get this win. This team can get it done in a myriad of different ways, and most of the games they play aren't close. <laughs> right, and this was a, a quality opponent on their home floor. Granted, things are a little different in a COVID year, and you know you have to think if there were fans there, that may have been the difference. Like that maybe is you know you get those five points back, but I mean it was their player that really made the the error of the game that potentially five point swing when their uh, their wing player I forget his name Springer or something threw it behind the back so uh credit to Michigan never panicked never blinked Juwan Howard once again what a gem I saw a video on Twitter the other day of uh, what they were doing in the second half of attacking matchups um off of switches and it was brilliant like getting the more athletic guy on guys like Liddell who bangs down low but he's gonna have a lot of trouble with Mike Smith or Franz Wagner and just some great switches Juwan Howard coach of the year running away yeah national coach of the year it's not even close can talk about the i brought up the point about if gonzaga them go undefeated you know they could have a case but baylor struggled last night at against iowa state a team that only has two wins on the year michigan has not played a close game this season except for this one in wisconsin and wisconsin was a comeback this one's the best win of any team all year so no it's jawan howard this team was picked to finish six in the big 10 and they are going to be the number one seed Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to count my chickens before they've hatched or whatever the saying may be. But at this point, I mean, you're just so confident this is a really good team. And if they stay healthy, I mean, they've just got so many ways they can beat you. And we haven't even seen much of our deep young bench, too. We haven't really needed them of late. Just a lot of Sean Day Brown, Austin Davis coming in, Brandon Johns providing some okay minutes. So that's probably the rotation you're going to see down the stretch. Yeah, and if Gonzaga or Baylor stumble and all three teams have one loss, you, I think Michigan gets the number one overall seed. Yeah, I could, I could very well see that, and uh, man, that would be that would be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun either way, uh, but it starts it starts tomorrow, or it'll be tonight as you're hearing this on Thursday or Friday, uh, depending on when you listen to it. But we've got Iowa and that matchup. It worries me because this is what I want to see. I want to know what it looks like when someone can match up against Dickinson, especially late in these games. When he looks fresh, he seems to get better as the game goes along. And this cat Garza is going to be a problem. So I'm so excited for this game. If Michigan, and I think this will be the case. I think that Michigan with Garza down there banging with uh, Dickinson is probably going to look for the three a lot in this game. I think so too. The, I would want to see them stretch guards out. This is going to be the best test. We talked about this probably months Early. ago about just wanting to see Garza match up with Dickinson. That, that that's how we're going to know how good he is. He's averaging twenty. He's averaging just under twenty five and nine this season, and shooting forty four percent from three, fifty six percent from the field, six eleven. So surprisingly, Dixon's going to have the size advantage on him. But this is going to be fun. I mean, this is a four-year grizzled senior. Right, and probably doesn't have the weight advantage. Garza looks thick. Garza is listed at 265. He's all of that. He is all, he is all of that, and <laughs> he, maybe a, maybe five or ten more. He's a big boy, and he's, I mean, he's been doing this, I mean, dominating the last two years, 23.9 points a game last year, 10 boards. This year, 24.7, and eight and a half boards a game, so... This is the experience versus the youth here, man. This is awesome. I love – I mean, if Dickinson can hold his own against Garza, no one in the country can do it better than Garza against Dickinson. And I will feel great about any matchup deep in the tournament. So this is the best center in college basketball. So if, you're, if yeah. you hold your own against him, you're one of the best centers in college basketball. And really no one in the tournament can match up against you. Now, there might be more athletic shot-blocking centers. If you saw like Evan Mobley from USC or Kofi Cockburn from Illinois – they're a little bit more defensive uh, centers that could maybe be interesting because Hunter Dickinson, to me, still is a more primarily offensive center. Uh, he's coming around on defense, though. 
Um, so it, there's still some guys that could provide a challenge. But yeah, like you said, I mean, all eyes on this one. You know Hunter Dickinson had this circled on the calendar. Could this be – could Hunter Dickinson win freshman of the year nationally or conference? It's possible. Suggs is – I mean, not falling off, but they just haven't needed as much from Suggs out at Gonzaga. Um, I mean, who are the other options? Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. Um yeah. Yeah. There's there's a couple guys out there, but I mean he's gonna be in the in the running. He'll be in the top five. He'll get votes. Yeah, and this could be a showcase game for him. Say he he puts on a show against Garza. I mean, he could take home the Big Ten one and really put himself in the thick of it for national. What do you got for the score? Let's get a prediction. Oh man. I think Michigan continues to ride the momentum. I think they win. 79-67. So I don't think Michigan goes undefeated going into the Big Ten. I think there's one more loss before then. So I'm going to pick it here because I'm certainly not picking it against Illinois or Michigan State. That's not happening. So I'll pick it here. I'll no. say 75-73 only because I just see one more loss and then no more losses <laughs> after that. We're, we're, just get get one more out of the system. Yeah, get one more out of the system, and then uh, our last game will be the last game of the season, and we will walk away victors. Oh, God, keep saying good things. That's all I. All I <laughs> um, let's let's switch to some bad things really quickly. Moving away from basketball because um, it's all good things there. Um, actually, before I do, let me get let me take a moment here. Got to talk about our our people, people over at Homefield. They're our newest sponsor. Uh, been great working with them right out of the gate here. They're out of Indianapolis. Great group of people to work with and their their clothing line. Incredibly comfortable, very affordable sportswear brand with the largest and most comprehensive selection I've, I've seen uh, of college apparel and very customizable. If you want to go back old school, you can. If you want to go with the new school designs, mix and match, change it up, get weird with it if you want. Uh, I'm wearing my hoodie right now. Uh, while it's six degrees out, this is the only article of clothing I wear when I am home. And that's okay. <laughs> uh, Homefield is a licensed apparel company. Got you covered with their wide range of schools. Get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right. Now that was ta- that was one more good thing. Now we need to switch to something. I don't know that it's necessarily bad because Snake's going to snake. But Ben Ben Van Snakerin transfers to hey <laughs> immediately gets into the transfer portal takes him like three days and he decides to go to Michigan State. This seems personal. Yeah, it does seem personal. You can go ahead. It's like all right, rank them: Greg Madison, Ben Van Summeren, Al Washington, and King Cobra. Most snakes and Rami Malik. And and Rami Malik. We can put Kevin Durant in there if we yeah, want. Yeah, Kevin Durant, the all time greatest snakes. Um, Benedict Arnold. Yep. Classic snake. Yeah, Joaquin um, Phoenix in Gladiator. Very big snake. <laughs> um, a lot of treacherous women I've met in my life. Sure. Big snakes. Yeah, my college girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, but I mean, this ranks right up there in all-time snakes. Ben Van Snaker in. He's going to go He's gonna go to Michigan State. I don't think he'll play because he's not very good. He just his <laughs> claim to fame is looking like a steroided up version of Billy Zane, who, if you remember, is the guy that when the Titanic was sinking, tried to like kidnap a poor chick to, to get led yeah. onto the boats with the women and children like a yeah. snake move. All time great snake. Yeah. So it's fitting. All time great snake. The socioeconomic politics of taking a poor child for your own benefit. Just I don't have time for that. I mean, we can get into but... it, but we're going to really, really spiral. <laughs> <laughs> it's really going to go downhill and, you know, we don't need to spiral like the boa constrictor that Ben Van Snaker in is. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I hope he plays. I, it's hard to say too much. Michigan state did, did beat, beat us last season. Oh God. Yeah, but tough to say it hurts so much. It was like, I felt slippery, kind of like a snake. Um, <laughs> so it'll feel good to play against them. Ben Van Summer was once our fourth string running back. Then Hassan Haskins saw fit to pass him as did everyone else. He went back to defense, struggled mightily as a linebacker, 
And now he goes to a place where he can try to see some playing time. I hope he doesn't see the field. That sounded mean because it was. That's fine by me. He's going there just to do as snakes do. He's probably not even going to play. He's probably just going to give inside information. Can be like, yes, yes. Carlo Kemp has a weak Achilles. Attack it. Yes. He's <laughs> like that guy that's like cor- corrupting the, uh, what is it? The Knights of Rohan, or the Riders of Rohan leader. That's what he's doing. He's over there just like, cackling his fingers together yeah. like this. <laughs> Do this. Bad decisions. <laughs> he's like the little mutant guy from 300 that leads him around the pass. Yes, yeah, so he's living over, over, over here. here. Yeah. Like, here is their weakness. <laughs> they can't stop the A-gap, sir. <laughs> I hope he never hears this because he is 6'3 and just a steroided Billy Zane, so I don't want any part of Oh, dude, he would flat out kill us, but yeah. as far as anybody's concerned, the way you spell snake today is B-E-N. <laughs> I'm glad we took some time for that. Uh, So potentially good news coming this weekend. This is one you're going to want to watch. Five-star cornerback Will Johnson out of Gross Point, Michigan, will be committing this weekend. Uh, The confidence is high on 247 from some people that I trust that he's coming to Michigan. And if he does, uh, I hate the term game changer because it's really stupid and overused, especially when you're talking about an actual game. But he will change the way the game is played because he'll be one of the best corner covers the second he gets on campus if we land him. He's massive. He's a 6'3 corner, and he's just complete stud. And this is a trickle-down effect. You start landing big recruits like this, and Michigan keeps this awesome recruiting trend going, this is how you build winning programs. I saw the stat the other day. Michigan's average coaching age for assistants is 35. <laughs> You're 33. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> this is you out here just recruiting these kids and landing Will Johnson when Ohio State thought he was a sure thing to be in Columbus just makes it all the sweeter. We don't get many victories over, you know, that area during when it comes to football, but this feels like a good win. This is at least worth like winning a quarter against them. In well, football. let's let's pump the brakes. We have to get him. So next time we talk, we'll know this could end up being a giant disappointment. I mean, Ohio State has been defensive back. You as much as that yeah. sickens me to say. I mean, they're putting corners in the NFL left and right. Uh, But the difference being you come to Michigan, like you're our number one option immediately, probably. Yeah. I mean, who's going to beat you? Sammy Faustin? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know where he's at. He sounds like a lounge singer. Check the lounge. (laughs) Sammy Faustin's up in five. Here he comes. Will Will, Will Johnson's coming. (laughs) Will Johnson's coming here to lock things down and, this would be a huge get for Mike McDonald in the defensive staff. It really would. He's a composite .99 on 247. So out of 100, they rank him a 99. So that's pretty good. You know, it's it's not bad, as the kids would say. So I, I would really like if he got here. And this would, again, just a huge boost going into next season, Like especially with the next cycle of recruits, man. This when I found out the crystal balls flipped to him coming to Michigan, you know, it was a good day. Yeah, I don't like to, uh, I don't, we don't often talk about crystal balls on here, but this feels like one worth mentioning. So, uh, and if you get them, you're going to vault into like the top three recruiting for 2022. You're going to be one of the best teams. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then the crystal balls are BS and I no longer believe in And I trust nothing. Yeah, nothing. It's like, again, God doesn't exist. So here we are again in a dark hole. <laughs> Until we beat Ohio State, we are. But uh, we got the the win in, a, in basketball, and that's going to have to do for now. But we're going to switch gears fully to back to football in the second half of this pod, as we're known to do. We're talking about the position battles that are going to occur that are really going to shape this team. We're going to start with the offense where there's some key battles. We talked about the depth chart last week, but we really want to talk about the competition between one, two, or maybe three players that we think is going to shape what you see on the field in 2021. We'll talk about that when we get back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. Second half of this podcast, we are switching exclusively to football. We are going to talk about some of the battles that we expect to see in the spring. Spring football has already begun. We're a couple days into it. We are already reacting wildly uh, to everything that we see in all the videos. It's been exciting, and we're sure to get more. But for now, we want to talk about the battles that we think we'll be seeing. And uh, there's a lot of them, especially uh, at both sides of the ball, actually. A lot is undecided right now, and it's kind of exciting to see where everything shakes out with the new scheme on defense, complete overhaul there, and how the offense is going to continue to evolve under Josh Gaddis coming back with uh, Sharon Moore now being co-OC. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got all the uh, coaching changes as well and battles all over the place. I don't, I mean, there's probably been a team that had more turnover under the Harbaugh era. I mean, right when he came in, actually, no, in 2015, he inherited a roster that was ready made to play. Yeah. He had a good roster in a short recruiting class, too. Yeah. So 2017, there was a lot of turnover, but once again, a lot of turnover. So some key battles. Um, Where do you want to start on the offense? Do you want to start with running back? That's one of the more important ones. Maybe we should save it. Okay, we'll save that one. Let's let's go to the offensive line because we really don't yeah. know a whole lot there. Yeah, so we talked about the depth chart last weekend and we all made some predictions, but I think we both want to maybe alter some of those project, uh, predictions because the 2021 roster just came out with some updated sizes and there's been some notable changes. So uh, on offensive line, there there might be some, some guys that we're maybe favoring a little bit more now. Um, particularly uh, right tackle. We talked about this battle between, we said it was between Barnhart and Willie Allen, the transfer uh, at right tackle there. Uh, we both, I, I would say left tackle is not a competition with Ryan Hayes, so we can get that out of the way, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. in stone. Right. So right tackle, we said the battle was between Carson Barnhart, Willie Allen. I think Trevor Keegan has entered the discussion. Yeah, Trevor Keegan is an absolute unit. Let me find him. He's listed now at 6'6", 327. That's big. That is a very big man. And also, I mean, Zach Zinter could like a word as well. It's 6'6", 334. I give it the edge to Keegan with his extra year of experience. But man, there is some beef on this offensive line. It's crazy looking at some of these numbers. Everybody on the offensive line is going to be over 300. Uh, Ryan Hayes might end up being the lightest guy at 6'7". Yeah. At 6'7", he's the lightest, and that's because he's a converted tight end. He still needs to be lean and mobile out there and didn't st- slow him down at all. And if Vastardis retains his role, we'll get to him. He could be the lightest, and he's just a shade under three bills. Yeah, it's crazy. And I do like Hayes at 306, uh, especially left tackle, being able to really shift out and get outside quickly. Now, you want that from right tackle as well. But just looking at some of these sizes, I don't know that this is a two-man race between Barnhart and Willie Allen anymore. Like you've got a ton of guys that could potentially do this. I mean, six, six is great at right tackle. And all these guys are right around that height. Um, what's Carson Barnhart at? Do you want to look that up really quickly? Yep. I'll pull Barnhart up. He is six, four, three Oh one. So yeah. So Barnhart was one of the smaller guys in contention. And we were all about slotting him in there that last week. But now looking at some of these other sizes, I'm wondering if, uh, Keegan or Zinter might be the the guys that are actually competing with Allen at right tackle. Yeah, six four three zero one seems more like a guard at this point. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So there is a competition at right tackle. Willie Allen is definitely a part of that competition. Who he's competing with, uh, we should find out soon as spring ball rolls along. But yeah, definitely let's throw in Zinter and Keegan into that now because my goodness, that is those are some big dudes there and maybe better suited than Barnhart. So. Um, I'm going to put uh, Keegan ahead of Barnhart now in that competition, just based on nothing but the size, but and yeah. experience, like you said. And this will be interesting too, because Sharon Moore is coaching the offensive line now, so it's not Ed Werner. So maybe what he wants is different than what Werner wanted. They could evaluate things differently. So we could see a lot of shifting here from all four positions outside of left tackle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move inside there uh, at right guard. There will be another competition here, but I think that Stuber is pretty far ahead in this one. 
I, I think it's Stuber pretty convincingly. There's a lot of talent here beneath him, but his experience, years of starting and versatility on the right side of the line, 6'7", just under 340. It's his job to lose, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you. Uh, center, this is a legit competition, however. Uh, we don't know what's happening with Vastardis, but even if he comes back, he's going to be competing with Atterbury and Rumler here, I think. I think so as well. Yeah, Vastardis is 6'3", 296, has good experience. Uh, you've been a big Atterbury fan ever since he came to campus because he was a true center in high school, correct? Yeah, he was recruited truly as a center, and that worked out well with Cesar Ruiz, so I'm riding that. Okay, yeah, like that. And with Nolan Rumler, again, 6'3", 328. Jesus. <laughs> Atterbury would be the small one. He'd be 6'5", 284, but that's 284 is not bad at center. Because no. he'd be versatile, be able to move, pull. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I, I still, as of now, give the nod to Vastardis just because of all the experience. Yeah, I'm going to ride with what I picked last week. I think it maybe starts with Vastardis, but Atterbury is going to be nipping at his heels. And I don't dislike that height and weight, 6'5", 284, you said, at center. Yeah. Um, center, though, I mean, David Molk is one of the best, and he was not super tall. So being really big at center is not necessarily the best thing because you real pad levels key here and you really just want to hold your ground at the center position. You're not necessarily trying to get to the second level. You're trying to snap the ball, get down, get into position, hold your ground so that your other guys can move. So um, I, I'm high on Reese Atterbury. I'm okay with uh, you thinking Bastardis is the starter, but this is going to be an honest to God competition. Yeah, and again, so much is going to be shaken up this like this spring more than ever because of the coaching changes, and we don't really know what's going to be expected of these players anymore. So, yeah, Nolan Rumler being three twenty eight kind of alarms me if he's going to be trying to if he's trying to play center. Right? Yeah, yeah. You want to be like kind of quick and and mobile and shifty, and yeah, you want to have good pad level, and so we'll see. Um, Vast artist was serviceable serviceable last year, so if you have to start him. You feel okay about it, but I think you'd like someone to win out here. Yeah. Somebody else to come up. And you got Raheem Anderson coming in too, but true center or true freshman starting at center. Eh. And what was, um, who is McCarthy center that's coming in with him? Is he on campus yet? I don't think he is. That's Raheem Anderson, I believe. I thought he was from Cass Tech. Oh, Raheem. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. Um, yeah, Anderson's I, Cass I, Tech. Yeah, I don't look too closely at the freshman offensive line because yeah. of the way we're set up, we've got guys that have been there for a few years that have better size, familiar with the system, you know, a little bit more seasoning under the belt. And you just don't often see true freshmen start. We started Mason Cole because we had to because the position group was in tatters. <laughs> it was it was not the best. Yeah, so Mason Cole started right away, but that doesn't happen often. Like you can name them on one hand. The time Greg period. Greg Crippen six four two eighty five is um, McCarthy Center, the guy he roomed together yeah. with and down there. So that's a name to watch in the future, but not this season. No, and Raheem Anderson is more highly recruited there, and Reese yep. Atterbury eventually is going to be the center. I am still high on Atterbury, so uh, but a position that's going to be super important. I mean, right up there with one of the more important ones on the team. Not a sexy competition, but a competition. No, the captain um, of the offensive line responsible for te- uh, adjustments, audibles, the line, pointing out everything. So yeah, this is a big one to watch. But like you said, not the sexiest. Not the sexiest. And if Vastardis wins it out, you're kind of like, okay, that'll do. You're not like, it's not going to be like Cesar Ruiz out there. No. And what's less sexy than the battle at center? The battle at left guard. <laughs> <laughs> it's neck and neck for least <laughs> sexy. It's yeah, it, 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 it's not great. Like, <laughs> They're called call the big with, uglies for nothing. Yeah, it's like hanging out with Brian Dennehy and Wilford Brimley. Like now, like not a lot of sex appeal to this. <laughs> what a reference. Thank you. <laughs> But at uh, left guard, who, who who is your leader right now? Because last year, Chuck Filiaga started the year, had his struggles. He's been the butt of a lot of jokes for us. An absolute massive unit at 6'6", 345 as a fifth-year senior. I can't believe he's been here five years. Feels like 10. So last week or two weeks ago, uh, I was pushing the Carson Barnhart train, and now I'm kind of leaning. At, but I put him at right tackle, winning out over Willie Allen. Uh, I'm changing that up after the release of the the new depth chart and some of the weights. I think Barnhart fits well at left guard, but he's going to fight with Filiaga. And then, yeah, those other names, uh, Keegan and Zincher, are going to compete at that size. Like these are whoever wins out there is going to find a way onto the line. So uh, those are all names that could easily win out. I like Barnhart versus Filiaga. 
Um, I'm going to take Barnhart here. It's a bit of a flyer, but I, I, I was high on him two weeks ago. I'm sticking with it. I like that, and I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody like Rumler lose the competition at center and kick out to left guard at that size, at 6'3", 328. Also a name. Also a name. Yeah, that's a lot. Like I, I really do like the depth at the offensive line because, look, at that is Rumler, Keegan, Zinter and Barnhart, who as of right now are kind of the odd men out with the the older guys. And those are all really talented dudes. Reese Trent Atterbury. A. Jones. <laughs> Trent A. Jones, Reese Atterbury, really talented dudes waiting in the wings. Some of these guys are going to win. Others are probably going to have to wait one more year behind Vastardis. I think Stuber locks one down. I don't think anyone's taking it from Stuber. Hayes is not getting surpassed. And if he does, my God, what kind of prospect do we have? It, uh, exactly. So yeah, Hayes is a lock, but there's so much talent and the coaching staff, kudos to Werner and company for building the line the way they have, but I got to feel good with what they have. Experience kind of makes you nervous, but there's so much talent in this room. Yeah, I think it'll all work out and it'll all be okay. Uh, the center one's the biggest one. You don't want, uh, you just want to hit on one of those centers. You don't want that to be a position where you're like, man, I wish someone stepped up. Uh, they touch the ball every single time. It's pretty important. Very important, especially what they do with cohesiveness and how this unit plays together. So, Yep, absolutely. You want to take us to our next position group, sir? Let's go to receiver. Wide receiver three, that is, because I think we can both agree on that wide receiver one is going to be Ronnie Bell. Who do you think wide receiver two is, in your opinion? It's some combination of Bell and Cornelius Johnson, I think we kind of agreed upon when we were doing the offensive depth chart. Uh, I still feel pretty good about that. I do as well. Roman Wilson is another another name to watch at wide receiver two, but I'm I'm with you. I think it's Cornelius Johnson, especially the way he came on late and um, his chemistry with McNamara, especially they look good together. But yeah, Roman Wilson's another name. Ronnie Bell is clearly wide receiver one though. He's wide receiver one in that he should get the most targets, but sometimes you consider wide receiver one, like your X receiver. Yep. Um, and that's not necessarily what he'll be. He'll probably move around. He'll be the Y. He'll be in the slot sometimes. He can be your X receiver. He's fast enough. He's not a burner by any means. Your best possession receiver by a mile. Yeah. Uh, Cornelius Johnson showed he can separate and be like Nico Collins light, and that'll be great. Um, this team, I think they want to take more deep shots, and he's going to be your deep shot guy. But, yeah, there is a ton, a ton of competition for who's that third guy. And it might not be that there's a true number three. I mean, look how many guys they were trying out last year. But we talked a little bit about this two weeks ago. I don't necessarily want to see them trying to figure out what they got with all these guys. I mean, if Roman Wilson's your guy, okay, get a few plays to A.J. Henning here and there. But if Roman Wilson's like you're clearly your third best, let's get him on the field a good amount because I think he's a home run hitter. But so's Henning. So's Xavier Worthy. So is Saner still. So Yeah, right? Like, yeah, we didn't touch on him yet. Yeah, so there's a lot of talent behind them. Giles Jackson, I don't really consider in this category. I think he's just kind of a weapon you can place anywhere in the backfield, in the slot. Just, he's going to be versatile. A.J. Henning was like, you know, the gadget player last year for reverses. I expect him to be more involved. I really think wide receiver three is is a tight two-man race between Roman Wilson and Saner still. See, I think that the guys that are fighting over this are Xavier Worthy is an elite, elite recruit. I mean, Alabama wanted this dude and look at what they're doing with receivers. I mean, they compare this dude to like a Jerry Judy. I just worry he's not on campus yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's he's behind these guys. And I really liked what I saw from Roman Wilson last year. Henning with another year. I mean, Henning showed some flashes, too. So I think it's a three way competition here. I'm not ruling out A.J. Henning yet. I mean, he was higher, a uh, higher recruit than Roman Wilson. I mean, he was he was the prize of that recruiting class at the right, wide receiver position. So I'm not ready to to write him off and say he's out of this competition yet. So I think it's a three man competition, but an important one because I mean, there's balls to be had here, and there's a potential to even surpass Ronnie Bell. I mean, Ronnie Bell is going to be a huge part of this team, but he's never going to be, I don't think, a game breaking wide receiver. I don't think he's Calvin Johnson. I don't think he's, you know, even Desmond Howard or like any of those guys. Uh, but I think some of these other guys could rise to an elite level. I think Ronnie Bell's ceiling is Jeremy Gallon. I like that. I kind of thought it was Chris Olave. I always thought they were very similar players. Olave might be a little bit more athletic, the former Ohio State receiver. Yep. Uh, oh no, he's coming back. Current, current Ohio State receiver. Current. Yeah. Oh, what a snake. <laughs> Snakes all around. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This is an exciting one. And honestly, whoever wins, I feel fine. Like if Sainer still wins out, Sainer still talented. Now you feel great with Mikey Sainer still coming back. If that's your guy who surpasses him, there's a lot of talent here. It's a little undersized, but in this offense and in modern football, size has never mattered less. So you're picking Sainer still to win this? I'm picking Sainer still to be wide receiver three, correct. I'm going Roman Wilson. I mean, I'm happy either way. I'm not going to fight you. <laughs> like, yeah, I think Roman Wilson showed uh, some elite traits last year and do not count out worthy. And Henning's going to find a way to get on the field. So abundance of riches here at the position. So good problem to have. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Tight end. This is a competition and uh, it's not one that I'm excited about necessarily. No, it's very grim because as of is is the freshman on campus yet? I don't know if the, the true freshman is on. Was he one of the early enrollees? No, he's uh, not. We have – here's the tight end room right now. <laughs> not good. You're ready to cry. Eric All, Luke Schoonmaker, yep. still there. Yeah. Matthew Hibner. Oh, boy. Carter Selzer. Ooh. Hunter Neff. Hunter Neff. That's a made-up – that's an auto-generated name on Madden. And my favorite, Luke Buckman. All right, so none of those guys. And then when does the freshman get here? I, I believe in the fall. So it's Eric All, Shoemaker, and the freshman. All right, and then, uh, oh, God, I already forget the freshman's name. Um, so, yeah, basically, I think the competition comes down to Eric All and the freshman. We just did a podcast on him. I have it written down here in the pod. Uh, you got you getting that right now? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll pull it up. Yeah, Eric, yeah, I, I, I predicted Eric All to hold on. I think you like the freshman. Uh, that's what we said in the, yeah, just because I'm still really sour about the amount of drops that Eric all had last year, but that's gotta be correctable. I mean, drops seem like something that's more mental than anything. And he improved as a blocker. Eric all did. So he did that. And I mean, he puts himself in position to be a target. Like he got targeted quite a bit early on, but then he couldn't catch anything and no one was targeting. I mean, not when you've got Ronnie bell and Cornelius Johnson on the field. So I think Eric all does hold on to it because starting at, you know, tight end as a freshman, Jake, Butt did it. Um, and this kid would basically have to be Jake, Butt to, to surpass all, but all has got to hold on to the ball. Got to it's Louie Hansen, Louie Hansen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, he's a four star. What is he? Six, four, six, five. He's a big kid. Six, four and a half, two thirty two. Two thirty two. I mean, that's a little, you, you'd want some more beef. Like we said, when we were doing the depth chart, but I agree with you. I think just because of what you have on the roster, it's Eric all, you got to give him another chance to redeem himself. And if there's fans in the stands, maybe you're not all up in your head after a drop like that. Mm -hmm. I don't and know. I, it seemed like he was all up in his I head. I will say, Eric, you got to like the talent, though. We were both high on him. That was your boy. Eric All has leaned up. He's 6'4", 229. That? That's really, that's a wide receiver. That's what it seems like they're doing. Nico Collins is like 220. Yeah, it seems like they've leaned yeah, up. Yeah, everybody's leaned up. Hmm. Well, if that's the case, expect to see Shoemaker as a blocking tight end then more as well. Yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's not going to be a one man show. No, and I don't like our depth there. So this is a competition that I don't really know what they're competing for. I mean, if we feel the tight end group is not that strong, I'd rather see more three wide receiver sets with Giles Jackson as kind of a split back or four wide outs or five wide. We got a ton of receivers and running backs, especially since Eric all is the size of Nico Collins. Now that's what I was saying. Like I compare that to Nico Collins. That's like the same size. Yeah, It's very strange. That's so crazy. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Hopefully that's intentional. One would hope um, so. All right. So we've got, yeah, um, we've got quarterback, we've got running back and we've got kicker to talk about. Where do you want to go? <laughs> Let's just get kicker out of the way. Let's get kicker out of the way. I'm fine with that. Uh, Jake Moody, the incumbent, uh, who looks like, I don't know, it, it really looks like a wet pool noodle sometimes when he kicks it. He was great when he came in and nailed, what, seven straight for us in relief of Nordine a few years ago. He was freshman, then, he was freshman of the year two years ago. He was freshman of the year. That was right. He was a freshman. And that was great. And it was a great moment. Uh, but none of those kicks were super inspiring. Like he doesn't have some cannon of a leg. Uh, the ball comes off of the off of his foot quite wobbly. 
I don't think he has a range beyond 50. I, I, maybe even 45. I don't know. What's his career long? Do you, I don't think we have this up. I'm guessing. I'm. But he's competing 47. with. Yeah, if I had to guess. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen him hit a 50-yarder. Probably did in high school. Most of these kids don't make it to a Power 5 program without hitting like a 50-yarder. But he'll be competing against true freshman Tommy Doman who's one of the most heralded kickers. He's the, I believe, the number two punter nationally and number six kicker. Um, His long is a 53-yarder as a senior. So he's young, but he's got a big leg, um, you know, known for being accurate. I think he probably ends up winning this job over Moody at kicking, um, for field goals at least. Maybe not extra points because Moody you can trust to get the ball 10 yards. But if you need a 50-yarder, they might go with a freshman this year. There's a reason Quinn Nordine hung around in all the kicking competitions because he could kick the ball to the moon. Right. I mean, and that was about it. And you kind of saw that with uh, Nordine, where if they had one where it was over 45, they'd bring Nordine in over Moody. So they, they're not afraid to do that. Bring in the the freshman Tommy Dorman, Doman um, for longer kicks and then Moody's doing shorter ones. So we'll see. But I think that you'll see Tommy Doman as a freshman this year. I think he wins the kicking job eventually. Uh, Brad Robbins probably holds on to the punting job. Yeah, we don't even discuss Brad Robbins. It's his to lose. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we got two more left. Um, let's do let's do quarterback now. I want to end with the running back one because the quarterback one. I mean, there's going to be whole podcasts about this. There's going to be this is going to be one of the most talked about competitions in the country. I mean, for good reason. Jim Harbaugh now going into year seven still has not had a quarterback that he recruited that has done anything of note. His best quarterback was a transfer in dad, Rudock. His second best quarterback was another transfer in Shea Patterson that I think is maybe one of the all-time meh, you know, memories for Michigan fans. So you get a chance this year, both of these, everybody on the roster you recruited, uh, you've got your Highest rated recruit at quarterback coming in in the savior, J.J. McCarthy. But you got the kid that was able to rally the troops in an awful year last year and find some semblance of offensive rhythm in McNamara. So this is a legit competition. It's one of the most watched ones, and uh, Michigan fans are going to be tuned in. Who who do you got? How do you see this playing out? I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be McNamara early. It's so hard for me to say that, but with the experience and the offense and the system and the chemistry with the receivers, it's hard to bet against them. But I'm also picking against J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback we've never been more excited for to come onto campus, who chased Joe Milton out of town, just shows up, Milton's gone, this is McCarthy taking over. We all, we've all we embraced McCarthyism, but as of now, I think it's Cade McNamara to start I really, really have a feeling it's J.J. McCarthy to close. We are both ready to embrace McCarthyism, start putting some writers on the blacklist, maybe ruin some people's lives. That's that's what McCarthyism brings, but it's going to be glorious for those of us in power during his reign. I don't know that his reign starts this season. Jim Harbaugh is under a lot of pressure to not have an awful season this year. Seven wins is going to raise the heat up. I mean, the heat's already high, but you are on a new contract but it's a contract that allows us to move on should things really go off the rails. If it goes off the rails, like he's going to change quarterbacks, but I think he's going to go with the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Now he's done it every season. Even when we were clamoring for McCaffrey over Patterson and in the past, when we're like, Oh, give it to Brandon Peters over Wilton Spate. He does not listen to that at the quarterback position. He's going to go with the guy that gives them the best chance to win that understands the offense sometimes to a fault. Um, And then this year, you know, he went a little bit differently. He went with Milton, where a lot of people thought McCaffrey was the more seasoned guy. So that was a bit of a break from tradition going with Milton this year. A lot of us thought that that was maybe a Gaddis influence. So Gaddis is probably going to have a big say in this one, too. But I think Gaddis also wants to have I mean, they all want to have a good season, but they need to have a good season. And I think Cade McNamara out of the gate gives you the best chance for that. I never thought I would back somebody with frosted tips so enthusiastically. I mean, I'm not backing the tips necessarily. I'm backing the play on the field, which really was the lone bright spot in the second half of that season last year. I mean, there was nothing else for us to get excited about. So Without it, McNamara, we lose to Rutgers. Yeah, no, we would have lost to Rutgers. Rutgers! Yeah. Yeah. Without Cade McNamara. Joe Milton did not have it going, and uh, 
so I mean, I don't want to like talk about this kid like he's done nothing. Like we're talking about him like he's O'Corn. You know, mm. this is he's a four star kid. He set records in Nevada. He could be a great quarterback. He could be better than Patterson easily. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. The way he commanded the team was a big deal. But McCarthy brings in that swagger. Like during recruiting, he never wavered once. He helped bring in a lot of other commits with him, was always drinking the Michigan Kool Aid. So if it's McNamara's team now, I don't think it's going to be his when he finishes his tenure there. No, he'll get beat out eventually. McCarthy's just too good. I mean, yeah. and he's got the size for the position. He can get outside of the pocket. He's athletic. He's got touch on the ball. He's going to be the quarterback at Michigan at some point. That's probably why Joe Milton left, because if we were making this, you know, if we were doing this with Joe Milton on the roster, he'd still probably be number three. How can you slot him over McNamara? That doesn't make sense. You could slot him over McCarthy. I'd be okay with that. But Milton was really fighting an uphill battle here. So I get why he transferred. We didn't really talk about that. Nothing no. happened. Yeah. After last week's pod. Yeah. Joe, Joe Milton got ran out of town. The new young gunslinger came in and I believe Milton saw the writing on the wall that not only was he not going to be starting quarterback, that he probably wasn't going to be backup quarterback anymore. And that's a big deal from the guy that started against Minnesota who we were clamoring for the Heisman. Right. I mean, he looked, he looked solid against Minnesota and I really think he could be an above average quarterback in this league, but he needs work. He needs to go get with a quarterback guru and he really needs to, you know, go through his progressions and learn to be patient, let the game slow down for him. So I wish him the best. He was a guy that I had such, he was JJ McCarthy to me before there was a JJ McCarthy. I thought he was the savior. So it's a bummer. Um, his ceiling is out of this world high. So I don't know. I, I I hope he goes to, you know, central Florida UCF and, you know, wins 10 games. That'd be great. Yeah. I really look forward to watching Joe Milton lead Arkansas Pine Bluff to an undefeated season. It'll be <laughs> better than that. He'll go somewhere with a pulse. It's okay though. You could just you know, figure out a way to play with him on the new NCAA game and win a national title. Oh, I will wherever he goes. So I do, I do really hate that he had to leave, but the writing's on the wall. There can only be one quarterback on the field at one time. It's not like tight end or wide receiver or anything um, where you have to beat out one of three guys. You have to beat out one guy and there will be one guy. And well, it's fine because Michigan has no tight end. So he, there's not even a battle there. No battle. What are we talking about here? Who are these people? <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, Luke Brockman's going to be starting at tight end. Yeah, well, Nate Raff or whatever that one guy's name was. I just made up a name, but he's probably on the roster. Probably going to see time <laughs> at tight end. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, Joe Milton's far from a bum, but like you said, only one person can play the position. Have one of the most talented passing quarterbacks Michigan's ever had come onto campus. Coming into against Cade McNamara, who was the one spark of offensive life in the second half of last season. Just Sometimes there's not enough around. You got to go somewhere else. How long is uh, McNamara's leash this year with McCarthy nipping at your heels? Man, don't. Oh, God, that's that's a titillating sentence. It is. It's short. Like you said, Harbaugh cannot afford to have a bad quarterback season this year. So it's going to be if he starts struggling early and McCarthy's back there just offering to sling the ball 40 yards to Roman Wilson. Yeah, it's going to be pulled. I, I have to agree. And uh, yeah, seven years without, I mean, I will say Rudock was saying elite about dad Rudock, who right now is mowing a lawn and new balances somewhere. <laughs> Seems strange, but yeah. he, I mean, he was putting up elite numbers there towards the end. That's the best that he's done at quarterback. So yeah, the pressure is insanely high. You were brought here as this quarterback guru, the Andrew Luck guy that was able to upset one of the best USC teams ever because of what you got at the quarterback position. And we haven't seen anything close to that. So, no. yes, absolutely. If we're struggling early and it's due to poor quarterback play, I don't think they'll hesitate. I don't think they'll wait long. Like, it could happen against Washington. If we're not generating offense against Washington and it's, you know, 7 to 20 and they're up and it's the third quarter, you could see McCarthy as soon as the third quarter against Washington. Like you said, McCarthy already put Joe Milton on the blacklist. Cade McNamara could be next. Oh, is that his nickname, The Blacklist? That Yeah, done. Oh, <laughs> done. That is sick. I like it. J.J. McCarthy, The Blacklist. The blacklist. <laughs> Ooh, that's mean. That's mean. I knew we'd get some nicknames eventually. 
There it is. You heard it here first. We're going to make a t-shirt. Yeah. A black yeah, t-shirt that just says McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's sick. I like it. Nico Suave is still your best work to date, but. That's that one. We, and I also liked that we had Long Island. Long Island. Yeah, yeah. We were the first to Long Island and the first to Nico Suave. So, yeah. If you want the best nicknames and you want them first, it's us. Other uh, Michigan Twitter folk will steal them. Yeah. We'll use they, them. But, they will yeah. take them. They will never understand why we call Chuck Filiaga the milk carton. The milk carton. <laughs> That's a great nickname. <laughs> it's carton for short. It's milk carton. Carton. The carton. <laughs> fantastic all right so uh short leash do we see mccarthy this year outside of garbage time yes yes i agree all right the last one um which i think might be a bigger battle uh because there's there's a ton of talent here and this is at backup running back we we already agreed hassan haskins is running back number one but man the talent nipping at his heels i don't necessarily know that they're nipping at his heels he's done enough to start this entire season and I trust him as much as maybe anybody on the team. So nobody's nipping at his heels, but uh, the talent behind him that are competing for carries is immense. And we didn't realize how immense it was until we started diving into this updated depth chart. Yeah, because they bring in Tavier Dunlap, who's like a four-star highly recruited back, and he's huge. Yeah, massive out of Texas. Like this kid's a complete stud and all the hype and rightfully so is around Donovan Edwards, but we're just completely sleeping on this kid. Yeah, and like nobody's talked about him. This is the first time we've mentioned him. So, I mean, he might be your fourth string guy. Ideally, he redshirts um, yep. because Corum is going to be relied on even if he doesn't win this. Uh, we haven't even said the names yet. The battle between Corum and Edwards here, really. We mentioned yeah. Tavier Dunlap just to get his name out of the way. But this is between Corum and Edwards. And, I mean, the upside on both of these guys, it's hard picking here. I mean, we've seen Corum. We haven't seen Edwards yet. But we've what we've seen of Edwards on the high school level and how other teams view this kid. I mean, it, the speed stands out like that obviously will translate. Yeah, the speed. He's 5'11". He's a taller back. So 5'11", 190 as compared to Blake Corum, the bowling ball at 5'8", 200 pounds, just unit and just a dog of a player. Like, I love Corum personally. But Edwards is highly touted. I mean, everybody wanted him. It was kind of surprising he stuck with Michigan. There was a lot of wavering, it felt like, uh, come National Signing Day. But he stuck with it. One of the highly elite prospects in in the country. And just from an aesthetic standpoint, he's wearing number seven at running back. I love that. That's clean. (laughs) That's clean. I like that a lot. He's going to be fantastic for Michigan. I am riding with Corum here in this battle, uh, especially early on. Edwards is going to see the field a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if the first play is drawn up to him, like what they did to Corum last year. Nobody saw that. Remember, we were predicting first plays, and we're like, uh, probably something to get the quarterback in rhythm. Ronnie Bell makes the most sense. Blake Corum, right away. Yeah. Right away, got the first snap, got the first touch. And no, at running back depth is important, so you're not going to see like Edwards or anybody get frustrated because three running backs will play in the system, not to get beat up. Hassan Haskins is going to be the bull. I mean, he's going to be the workhorse. He can handle the load. He's a proven commodity. You said nobody's nipping in his heels. He's earned that. He's just too good. He's gotten better every season. So these two behind him can help spell him, and they both bring a different combination to throw at you and have higher ceilings than Hassan yeah. Haskins, both of them. Um, who's the home run hitter of these two? And also, uh, before I, I go into that, because it needs to be mentioned, Giles Jackson is still technically a running back. Yeah, Giles Jackson does whatever he wants to do on the football field. <laughs> like, they don't even call the plays for him. He lines up when he wants, where he wants, and it generally works. That's all he does. He just comes out there. like he's. I, I'm running this now. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Like, oh, yes, we're running this. Yes, Mr. Jackson, Jackson said he wants it. And they're like, well, we need to get him the ball, obviously. <laughs> but it, 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 I can't stress enough how massive Hassan Haskins is at running back. At 6'1", 220, he outweighs the nearest running back on the roster by 20 pounds. And that's Blake Corum, who's only 5'8". <laughs> like, he's five pounds under our starting tight end. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that's a good thing. I don't know if it's not, but he's outstanding. I expect another big year for him. Before we talk about the home run hitter, does Hassan Haskins get 1,000 yards? I mean, we did this uh, last season, but we were like, it could be a truncated season, so it was a little hard to pick. Um, I really think that in a normal season... If we get all the games and we're running the offense that they want to be running, I think he is a thousand yard back. I really generally believe that he's more talented, 
talented than Karan Higdon. He's more talented than Fitz Toussaint, our last yeah. two thousand uh, yard rushers right there. So he's more talented. A lot of that will depend on the offensive line being better than they were last year and staying healthy. Obviously right. it could have been a, a much better offensive line year. If you keep um, Mayfield healthy and uh, who else do we lose? Stuber went out. Yeah, Stuber went out at one point. Yeah, Hayes was in. Everybody was injured. Everybody was injured at some point. So if there's continuity on the offensive line and we play this full schedule, yes, 1,000 yards. I, I'm in complete agreement. I think so, too. With As long as they play all the games, there's no reason to me he doesn't get 1,000 yards. Yeah, and obviously injuries can happen and stuff. But, you know, we're saying that just all things, if you if you hold serve, he's definitely good enough. I mean, he put up 225 against that Notre Dame team. And yeah, ever, in the rain, they knew the he rain. was coming. Yeah, and I mean, there were times last year, late in the season, against Rutgers, and uh, you know, down the stretch, where we really didn't have any business being in the game, and he's making outrageous cuts to get an extra four or five yards. He always falls forward. He's big, so that yeah. like when you hit him, you're not really stopping him. Like it's gonna take a big linebacker to hit him and stop him and like push him backwards. Like you just don't see that. Uh, so I think that, I mean, even on plays where you're just running him through, you know, the one or the two gap there, he's still good for three, four yards every time. Yeah. I'm in complete agreement, man. He got, he took big steps from two years ago to last season, just being more consistent, seeing more cuts and open lanes, his balance and the way he shifts is outrageously good. So I expect to see another step from him this year, which would be awesome to see, but the two running backs behind him are not slouches. No. So uh, you think Corum wins, he gets more touches? I, I think so. Yeah. I think he does. Edwards, true freshman, takes some time. Corum is just a pit bull of a running back, man. He just runs violently. And if nothing else, you want somebody you trust a little bit more in blocking yep. situations. And I think that'll be Corum, who's pretty stout. And, I mean, definitely has the size that you want for a running back to throw chip blocks and buy your quarterback an extra second, which is which is huge. And, I mean, there's going to be packages where it, I hope there's a package of Haskins, Corum, Jackson. That's, that's I want so... that package with somebody like Cornelius Johnson and then Henning and Wilson, like yeah. some just absolute playmaker everywhere type of line. I mean, and you can run these super creative. Gaddis has to be giddy with the playmakers at running back and receiver. Yeah, there's so much there. And, like, you were about to bring up home run hitters. That could be Donovan Edwards. The speed is there. That kid is lightning fast. All the high school tape on him. Granted, he's playing against high school kids, but when he's out rushing them by 10 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards, by the time he reaches the pylon, that stands out. Also, we've watched enough sports that you can tell when someone's like legit fast. Like yeah. you watch, a, you know, the NFL and you're like, wow, these guys are all fast. But then, you know, Tyreek Hill touches the ball and you're like, oh, that's much faster. Um, Mike Smith, we were talking about it with basketball earlier when he had that breakaway, when he got that rebound, I was like that speed. It just, you can see it. You've watched enough sports. You can tell with like just how the camera's struggling to follow him. You're like, wow, that is fast. And yeah, uh, yeah Jackson has that speed and Edwards has maybe not Giles Jackson speed, but at five eleven and his size to have breakaway speed like that. I can't wait to see, they always do a race to see the fastest guy on the team. Next year's race is going to be fascinating. That's going to be a ton of fun to watch. And yeah, you can tell like when Devin Bush was a, a true sophomore and starting in 2017, you could just, it was immediately clear in the Florida game. It's like, wow, that is fast. Right. And yeah. it's just game breaking speed like that. So you put Edwards, you put Giles Jackson and AJ Henning in some creative package in the backfield, like some crazy wishbone and just oh. all the momentum and shotgun. Oh God. The NASCAR package, baby. That's I love that. That is perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. It, I mean, there's some exciting, exciting combinations. And yeah, the offense is uh, these these spring position battles are going to be big. What's the most important one outside of quarterback? I would say center and offensive line. Yep. Yeah, not sexy, but the second most important, because regardless of who wins that running back competition, I'm good. Like yeah, same thing with wide receiver three, yeah, whoever, whoever wins, wins cool. Yeah. You know, awesome. let's, roll with, let's roll with Saner still. It's Christian Dixon somehow. Let's roll with him. 
Yeah, okay, fine with this. But it's like if you're gonna like move the offensive line and put Chuck Filiaga at center and Reese Atterbury at right tackle, right? Not a good yeah. sign. Yeah, they're no. like, oh shit, we don't have a we don't have a true center on this team, and all of a sudden it's like Trevor Keegan at six seven is you know <laughs> taking snaps at center. Be like, this is this is wrong. It's like they're kicking Willie Allen to fullback because his feet were so bad. It's like, oh, we're in trouble. We're in trouble here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, man. Well, this was great. I really enjoyed uh, talking about this. We're going to do the defense next week, and that might not be as optimistic, but uh, still, you know, we were able to find optimism going through the depth chart. So we'll, we'll dig it out of there. Yeah, we put all our faith blindly in Mike McDonald. So it's fun. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've decided to do. And he shall now be our savior and we shall pray at his altar. Yeah, he doesn't have a mustache. So I'm with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it took. <laughs> that's all it took i'm not can't I mean he's he's not a snake obviously bar was low don't be a snake <laughs> no mustache don't be 92nd in defense literally your criteria was if it's a snake with a mustache like that seems villainous let's not do that <laughs> let's not do it's snake without a mustache we'll consider we'll consider it yeah, yeah if you're a snake on my side for the time being i can deal with a snake but uh oh before we go all-time snake urban meyer where does he rank in that that snake list it's high it is really high, high. just as like it's like a huge i remember somebody asked me in the offseason if urban meyer became the coach of michigan would you root for him i said i would have to sell my soul and every good part about me but when we win games it would hurt me physically because that's how much of a snake he is i would probably have to do peyote every game in order to get through it but i would like yeah i would i would go on some existential trip and find a way deep in my soul to root for michigan but it would it would pain me, and I would come back a changed man. Uh, I, I'd never be the same. Michigan would never feel the same to me. So, yeah, he's very high on the snake list, and I think a lot of programs would agree with us. I think Ohio State fans would might agree with us a little bit. I definitely think Florida fans agree with us. Yeah, definitely one of the all-time snakes. We'll have to do that, you know, in a off Newsweek snake yeah. podcast. The snake that, 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 that's definitely a summer pod, all-time snakes. <laughs> Absolutely, man. All right. Well, this was good. Uh, We'll come back next week. We'll get to the defense. Like I said, Uh, make sure that you are checking into all of our maize and brew content. We are keeping up with the basketball season. The next podcast you hear, we'll have played Iowa, man. That is going to be an all timer. Uh, Make sure that you listen to Brewcast. Those guys will get you caught up on that. We will see you next week. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple music, Spotify, and more. I am Jared, that is Andy, this is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.